So hi folks, hello once again, and you're very welcome along to another program, to another edition of Down Your Way. Yeah, what a special edition of Down Your Way. This week, we are coordinating uh, many of the speakers here at Holy Cross Abbey. Uh, one of the great speakers and the great men of our time, Vicky Hart, the great football trainer, manager, all the rest. Vicky Hart, you're very welcome to Down Your Way. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Absolutely. What's it like to be in a place like Holy Cross Abbey? Ah, it's just, it's a, there's certainly a feel-good factor you can see as you walk into this place. It's a very special novena, and the, the attendance that's coming here day and daily for all the sessions is just amazing. In this day and age, when people think that the, the Christian faith and the Catholic faith is a, out of date and out of time and out of fashion, mm-hmm. this tells you a very different story. This, this, is, this is a real, a real story of the faith. Absolutely. Um, had you ever heard of Holy Cross before you came down here? Yeah, I'd heard of it and uh, I'd been through it, maybe just driving on a passing visit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, I hadn't spent any time here. Okay. Okay, your, your, your homily today was about uh, probably, for the most part, about past times and remembering grown up years. Yeah, that's it. I suppose it was about thinking back on the days that I grew up in, the 50s and 60s, and what the faith meant to me and how I caught the faith at home more than being taught it by my parents and how uh, the things that mattered to us in home, like the rosary and like the mass and like uh, holy uh, items like the sacred heart picture and uh, May altars, etc. That was just par for the course, I suppose, in many homes at that time. And with all the modern cons that we have today, people tend to don't have as much room for the holy icons, but you know, I'm not saying that they're not there, but they're not as prevalent, they're not as prominent, and maybe it's time to think a little bit about that again and, 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 and get them back into a prominent place in our homes. It can be difficult in these modern times. Well, it is, of course. I mean, the, the, there's, a, there's a spiritual warfare battle on out there, you know, and, and uh, you know, we have to really... We have to believe that we can do something about it as an individual by professing our own faith, being grateful for the faith that's been handed on to us from our ancestors, from our from immediate parents, grandparents, and all of that. But thinking back to the ancestors that that uh, you know put their life on at stake by keeping the faith, you know we owe that to them. We were great people of tradition and great people of thinking of things in the past and holding on to traditions. Well, this is, this is the most um, tradition we should be holding on to, the, the tradition of the faith, the Catholic faith in Ireland. The other side of it, I suppose, is like you on football and uh, being a manager. There's been so many changes and whole systems have changed in football training. <laughs> yeah, it's like everything else, I suppose. It evolves. And I suppose, you know, when we used to look at games in the 60s when Galway were doing three in a row, we thought this is football at its best. Mm-hmm. And then you hit the 70s and Kerry came along and Dublin had a great battle over the, that decade. Then and the next thing is Cork and me. There's always different teams come along to offer different styles of playing. Mm-hmm. The rules are basically the same. There's new additions here and there. I think some of them too much, but generally it's the same game and people will play whatever way they need to play to try and win a game in a particular era and some people have rose-tinted glasses of the past and others are happy with the present and, and look to something different in the future so it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. Is the church the same? Well, the, the church has got new challenges but the church remains constant. The Catholic Church, Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, that is, that is true, present Jesus all the time, no matter what decade or century you belong to. So there's no change there. There's no change in the teaching of the Catholic Church. 
some of us might try to adapt and, and take a, a different route of following the teaching of Jesus, but um, I don't know, we can't do that, whether we either believe in the teaching of the Catholic Church or, or we're not a Catholic. <clears throat> you had a, a, an unbelievable period in your life that you may want to just mention on the program the sad loss of your daughter yeah it was a difficult time and, and you know what happens to many people and you know uh, uh, people looking on would be in just their heart would be broken as well as ours and that's good because people can empathize with us they can send prayer to us they can send good wishes through their prayers for us so it's it's without your faith i don't know what i would do it is my faith and our faith as a family that took us through and we all had to deal with it individually in our own unique way and you no know, none of us felt exactly the same as the others because we all had a unique relationship with Michaela and she meant something uniquely different to each of us. So we had to deal with the loss of that love that we had for her uh, in whatever way it was that we loved her. And, um, you know, we all loved her in our own unique way. So it's not easy, it's not easy, but it happens through life. There's there's crosses to carry and, and uh, you know, life's not a bed of roses, but... But God is good, and, and God uh, gives and he takes away sometimes. How do you still cope with it? With the grace of God, I cope with it, and, and with prayer, and with belief in the fact that, Michaela, we will meet again. Um, if you didn't believe that, and if you didn't believe in an afterlife, and you didn't believe that you wanted to do your best to save your soul, and hopefully that she's in heaven too, that we could meet someday. So I have that hope and have work to do to make sure that I stay on track for that. And mm. I hope that she is already there with the many masses and prayers and blessings being sent her way. And I, I pray that she is. And if she's not, we're praying for her. And we don't deserve anything other than what God gives us. God gives us many gifts. Michaela was a gift like our other three sons were gifts. And... Um, if he decided that he needed to take her home at 27 years of age, then all I have been blessed to be able to do is say, if I had the choice of never having had Michaela or have her for 27 years and lose her, I'd always pick what I had mm -hmm. because the blessings that came with her 27 years of her life are far, you know, you, you, I, I don't know what life would have been like without that. So, yes, it's very sad that we haven't got it to continue on with, but the fact that we had her for 27 years and I have now been able, through the grace of God, to look at it that way and say we had the gift of Michaela and um, the loss is severe, of course, but we will meet again. To stay positive is another story, isn't it? Well, that's it. I mean, that's that's what you got to do in life. you gotta, you got to understand that life is about gifts, blessings, challenges and crosses. And we'll have we'll have both we'll have all of those things in our life, and we can't expect everything to be perfect and good in the way we wanted to go, and not think that there'll be an odd sort of pothole here and there. So sometimes those potholes are more severe than others, but um, God sends them our way for a purpose that we don't know. But I know for sure that anything God sends our way is for the greater good, and so I think greater good has come out of Michaela's life and her death. You were manager of uh, Tyrone for the month of 20 years. I was, yeah. Um, I played there for a while as well. <laughs> I played a bit all right in the 70s, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed starting in the minors, and I spent there eight years there, and spent four with the 21s, and then the up to eight, 20 or 18 or 19 with the seniors. And I was privileged to get that opportunity to do that for that period of time. I'm always grateful for that. And we had some very good days, and we had some days that you... 
didn't feel good about, but that's life too. Look at it, it's great to have you down here. A safe journey back to uh, Tyrone today, or tonight, or tomorrow. Mm, well, thank you very much, Will. It's a real privilege to have you in my own parish here in Holy Cross. You're very welcome. Good to talk to you. One of the main coordinators of the Salam Levine, Father Jim Purcell, Father from Turles, uh, in fact, from Bellicale originally, and indeed very much a part of uh, the Holy Cross team here. Father Jim, you're very welcome to Down Your Congratulations on a success story. Thank you, Eamon. It's lovely to be part of the Salam Levine every year. I recall coming here as a child with my, my parents, and it was always a very important part of the year, and it's still in a very important part of the year in the, the fate lives of many of the people in this locality, and indeed the wider community, because people come from near and far, and you can kind of detect the pulse and the joy in people's lives as they come in here loving to sing and to pray and as they leave today I think they carry away some of that experience with them into their daily lives. It's an unbelievable feeling it must be for many people come for the nine days mm. religiously. Mm, religiously. I'm always uh, amazed at the people who come here every morning and they're coming in here about 20 past six and a half, six. And, and they just love it and they come back the next morning. It's like as if they get a, a hunger or an appetite for it yeah. and are delighted to be part of it. So they, yeah. they give us uh, enthusiasm too to sing and to pray. It's not just one person doing it. We're all doing it together. So that's, that's yeah, a lovely yeah. a lovely thing. Fundraiser on Turles, tell me about we it. We have, yes. We're trying to raise funds to replace the roof from the cathedral um, and we have a fundraising event coming up in two weeks time when the, the priests from the Diocese of Down and Connor are coming to the cathedral in concert now some people will have been there in 2019 when they came and they had, we had a wonderful night with them so people have said to us will you bring them back so they're coming in just under two weeks time now to the cathedral on the 29th of September Friday or Saturday night? Friday night week. Yeah. Okay. Friday yeah, night through, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. It should be very good indeed. Uh, like, tickets are available. <laughs> tickets are available. They've been on sale here in the Abbey shop throughout the novena, and tickets will remain here in the coming week or in the lead up to the concert if anybody wants to come to the Abbey shop. They're also available at our own parish office in Thurlis and in Bookworm in Thurlis also, and the parish centre in Cashel. So we have four outlets there for people to get tickets. You have great groups over there, last number of years, uh, you know, yes. they came to Turles. Yeah, we have had great groups and very, very, very memorable lights, very, sorry, very memorable nights in the setting of the cathedral. So when it's lit up and good sound quality, it's, it's a really beautiful venue for a concert that has a sort of a touch of the sacred in it, which of course the three priests will provide for us when they come in on the 29th. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's always good. The roof needs to be repaired. Roof needs to be repaired. The life of the asbestos slates is up, so under the advice of engineers, we, we need to replace the roof. Yeah, yeah, and it's a difficult job because you're at a high level and all that kind of thing. You're at a high level, and we need to have adequate funds raised before we begin it because it's not a job that you can start and leave half done. If the roof is to be stripped, it needs to be done, obviously, in one go and replaced yeah. in one go. So we're waiting until we have enough money to do it. We're still a long way from our, from our target, which is 1.7 million. So we're a long way from that. But every event helps and we get generous donations and people's kindness makes all this possible. And there's great goodwill in the parish of Thurles and the surrounding parishes to, to ensure that our churches are in good shape.
I have never known a church or a building, a parish building, to be left halfway undone, halfway no. through it. No, I, I, and we hope that won't happen either. <laughs> we just need another bit of Josh before we actually yeah, yeah. start it. So we thank everybody who supports the lotto and gives donations in the parish and supports all our concerts because the proceeds all go towards the re-roofing fund. And we thank all our patrons who come along. We're very grateful to you for coming along, but not just for supporting the event. It means that the night itself is memorable for people and they carry away something from the night like people carry away from the novena something of the spirit of the occasion lightens our hearts absolutely james can you tell me where do you get the fantastic singing voice uh, well sure a, a gift from god and i thank god for that my mother had a nice singing voice so i think it's mainly on my mother's side of the family even though the Purcells have a few singers among them as well but my mother had a lovely singing voice so i, I thank her for that and when i was in school in belly Jerry Daly, our former teacher, Lord of Mercy and him, he used to say to me, James Purcell, you can sing. And I suppose it's a lovely thing to hear from your teacher because it gives you a little bit of confidence to say, yeah, yeah somebody has told me that I, I can do this. And Jerry Daly did that for me and I thank him. James Purcell, every success thank and thanks for being with us. Same and thanks for all your kindness. Thank Indeed, you're very welcome back to Down Your Way. Father John J. Duffy, you're very welcome to Down Your Way. Thank you, Eamon. It's good to be here, a long ways down from Donegal to Holy Cross. It's very good to be here in Holy Cross, and uh, Holy Cross is a very special place, a very special abbey, and um, I must say that I got a tremendous welcome from the people here, and uh, I got a tremendous welcome from Father Celsus, and um, it's, it's just a special place. You can almost tangibly feel that this has been a place of prayer for uh, centuries and for, for, for generations, and uh, there's just a great peace both inside the abbey and in the grounds around about and I was just watching out this morning at the birds all flying around and how very nice it is and and just that sense of peace and that that tremendous welcome from the people and you feel you're in a holy place I feel I'm in a holy place I feel I'm in a very very uh, a place of peace mm-hmm. a, an oasis of peace it's like an oasis of peace in a world where we're sometimes very busy and yeah. you come into this place and it's 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 just um a place where you can sit you can either say a little prayer light a candle uh, listen to God speaking to you in your heart and in your soul, and uh, it's just a very, it's a very special place. And they have the relic of the True Cross here, and and having lost loved ones, you meet people here in this church. I met people here today who lost loved ones uh, 40 years ago, and that grief uh, does not go away. But we learn to cope with it, and I uh, learn to cope with it uh, uh, on a day by day basis. But the loss is still acute for people as it was 40 years ago. So uh, here in this place, people come here and they find a sense of of peace from the to get away from the things that are, are challenging them for that little moment even is, is a great uh, place to come to for healing. You have been challenged very much in at the part of the country that you come from in Kuchla, uh, in, uh, in Donegal. It has been a torrential time for you guys. I was just uh, walking with Father Celsus in the grounds this morning and at the fifth station of the cross you see Pope John Paul II standing in under uh, the cross as well and carrying the cross and people in in, in Chrysler, uh, uh are um, carrying their own crosses at this stage, the cross of the loss of a loved one uh, through the tragedy that took place, uh, which is... Um, t- um, uh, ten people who ten beautiful people lost their lives and 
uh, families are carrying their grief and it's a heavy grief and and um, I um, the community is carrying it, a, a grief and it's a, it's a heavy grief and it's a heavy a heavy grief for all who, who uh, have lost a loved one in that tragedy. How do you talk to a community? How do you address a community after such a tragedy? You be one with that community, um, no more than what happened in the week of the tragedy in Chrysler. Uh, people came together, uh, uh, helped each other, helped each other. Those who first came uh, on the scene went into the building without uh, giving any consideration for themselves into a building that was collapsing and and uh, electric wires still live and they went in there to rescue people and to bring people out so the people uh, w- uh, were the living church there and they went in and, and, and helped the people who arrived first then the emergency services and then we gathered for prayer just as the explosion took place in Chrysler adoration was uh, taking place in the church and people were praying uh, to God praying uh, to, to Jesus Christ as people were on their way to Jesus Christ and then uh, that uh, next uh, morning we had Mass at 10pm and then that evening and for the rest of the evenings of the week we had the Rosary in the church so the church became very much the bedrock and uh, while words are very important and it's very important to use words wisely in a tragedy uh, what was important for people at that moment uh, in the very, uh, what you say, in, at the centre of that tragedy uh, was uh, to be there for one another and to, to hook into one another and that, that's what I did uh, together with the rest of the community and um, when I used words, the words I used, I used them carefully and that was uh, to call uh, the people of the county and the country to pray, call upon them to pray for us and the people of the county and the country did that in great abundance. I received cards and messages and mass cards and messages of support here from Tipperary. And indeed, uh, I must say that uh, uh, we, we got we got great support from all across the country and 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 in different parts of the world. And. Uh, uh, it's, it's sometimes you use the, the few words you have very carefully, but words sort of come to you, and um, and and that's through the Holy Spirit. And um, the uh, most important thing is to be there. I think God gave us two ears and one mouth, and it's important uh, for us to realize that and to be a, a listening presence and uh, to be present uh, on the night of the tragedy in Chrysler. Uh, I remained present, as did uh, uh, so many others, and there were hundreds and hundreds of people present, and I suppose the biggest challenge was uh, for people they would have wanted to have done more, and you just uh, could do what you could do, and uh, you had to... um, you had to be there to realize how important presence is. Presence is so important. It's only last week we had two major tragedies in Tipperary with the loss of the children and the family in Cashel. Yeah, at the outset I wanted to just say that the um, our sympathies, uh, as I mentioned uh, here in the Novena, our sympathies and our prayers are with the people of Tipperary. I contacted some of the local clergy there to relay uh, my sympathies to those in, in uh, Cashel and, and Clonmel, firstly, and uh, the first of the accidents to have taken place and then, of course, followed by Cashel. And, uh, we were praying very much with people. We have a heightened awareness of the uh, 
tsunami of grief we faced in Chrysler, uh, that also the tidal wave of support lifted us up, the tidal wave of prayer came in and lifted us. It was like uh, lifting up boats and floating, uh, floating us and helping us and, and comforting us and, and consoling us. And let us, not, uh, let, let us not underestimate how important those little messages are, messages that came from schools, as I said, and from this county and from people all across the country and, and, and in different parts of the world. And, and those messages are very important. And and uh, they uh, were very important and continue to be important to the people of Chrysler. I went into family homes in Chrysler and people who had previously um, had tragedies in their own life, sending cards and so on, and people who experienced loss and uh, sending cards. But the one thing, it is very difficult, I think, and it's very difficult for the the people of uh, a small village as Chris Liz and uh, we're not used to having the eyes of the world uh, upon us uh, in a way and when someone dies uh, it is very difficult with grief and sadness and sorrow you know the sorrow of losing a loved one but when you're doing that uh, and the gaze of the public is upon you, the gaze of the world is upon you, that makes it all the more acute and challenging for people. And I must say, for the most part in Donegal, the media were so very respectful. And uh, for the greater part, the media were so very uh, respectful and so very kind and so very caring and so very empath empathetic. Em empathic towards us and uh, compassionate and I, I have to say that about the media and they, they, they were there um, uh, sent to Donegal to cover that and some of the same people who were in Donegal were in, 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 in Clonmel and in Cashel mm -hmm. and, 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 and um, it, 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 is, it is challenging for all of us well, Father, look at, uh, enjoy your stay here in Tipperary. Uh, thank you for uh, talking to Tip FM today and chatting with us. Eamon, uh, just uh, very nice to, to meet you and just to assure the people of Tipperary of my prayers and particularly those who have been bereaved in the schools and the families and the communities and ask you now to keep us, continue to keep us in your prayers as we approach the first anniversary of Chrysler on the 7th of October. Thank you so much. We're going to take another break. We're back. In Holy Cross, just after these. Martina is with me. Give the sermon today. How are you doing, Martina? I'm doing great now. Thank you very much, Eamon. Lovely to be here with you. Absolutely. It's, it's what an idea a lay person giving a, giving a sermon to a massive audience. Yes, uh, a new experience for me, I have to admit. I haven't done this before, but I think it's made really easy here in Holy Cross Abbey to do this. Everybody's very welcoming. And the um, I said it earlier today, the the peace that you can feel in this place is absolutely amazing. How did you get to be here? Well, I'm here today through Father Celsus Tierney. Um, he's a dear family friend of my husband's family, the Foley's over in Templemore, and met him over there one Sunday and we were talking and the topic came around to grief and loss. And he just happened to mention, this is a couple of months ago, Eamon, and he happened to mention that the novena was coming up and would I be interested in doing something? And I said yes before I could say no. And it's very difficult to say no to the same man. Well, now you're saying it. Absolutely. Once he got the yes, that was it. There was no turning back. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so then, 
you came on today and you come on yesterday, I presume, and get prepared for this morning. That's right. Um, we, as usual, myself and my husband came over to visit my mother-in-law, Nolik Foley, mm-hmm. in Templemore, and her son, Adrian. Um, we usually come over to them on a Sunday. And then I travelled from Templemore last night over here. I got here just as the novena was finishing last night mm-hmm. at half eight. And I have to say it was very magical to just come in and sit in the Abbey and even pass on people and listen to their conversations and just the enthusiasm and just the whole feeling as people were leaving and to come in then and get the lovely smells and the sounds here in the Abbey. So it, there was a real feeling of this is the right place to be. You would have known about the Abbey before you came here and pure as a young girl growing up. Um, well, Helen from County Galway, um, I, I suppose I really got to know about Holy Cross Abbey um, through my connections with the Foley's in Templemore, with my family mm-hmm. there. And um, I have to admit, I've only been in the Abbey once before, Eamon. Um, so please don't judge me on that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll be back again, definitely. It's, it's a really, really beautiful place. Now, so how did you pick the subject that you spoke about today? Well, um, it's a topic very close to my heart, I have to admit. I work as a psychotherapist in Galway. I trained, maybe finished my training about, I think, just over maybe 10, 12 years ago and um, realised at the time that there was a, a gap in what my knowledge around bereavement and loss and it's always an area I've been drawn to to answer your question more straightforwardly Um, I think it's so relevant it's it's so relevant to all of our lives on a daily basis we're all going to hit grief and loss at some point in our lives we you know and it's not always around death you know as I was saying earlier it could be um, just a loss of maybe a friendship a job um, it could be even a, even a dog, even a puppy. That's exactly what I was saying, and we've we've experienced that in in my life. Um, our beloved dog, we had to put to sleep last year. So that was that's a the loss of a pet is a really big loss, and unless you're an animal lover, maybe you you mightn't you know you might look on it a little bit differently. But yeah, even the loss of a pet, Eamon, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me about the work that you do. I work um, as a psychotherapist in private practice in Galway City and County. Um, I work with, uh, I hold a space there, a safe, non-judgmental space for people to come in and, you know, maybe talk about how they're feeling, what's happening in their lives and just give them a chance to, no pressure, talk about what they want to talk about and, you know, uh, the aim is that they'll reach some goals and start to make a fruitful change in, in their lives. Is it all about letting people talk rather than you, for the most part, talking to them? Oh, if I'm doing the talking, then there's something wrong, Eamon. Um, It's about listening to holding that space for the other person. And there might be times when maybe you have to, you know, do a gentle challenge along the way. But Mm -hmm. it is really about letting the person, I suppose, hear themselves speak and, you know, guiding them and facilitating them to come to their own answers. Would I ask you, could I ask you, are you a religious person? Um, I I am, I think, in my own way. I am, I... I have a great faith in the Sacred Heart, and um, I I may not be at Mass every Sunday, but um, I do the best that I can. So yeah, I, I would say I'm religious in my own way. You said earlier that um, 
you come here and you, you don't like interviews, or maybe this is possibly your first interview. It's my first interview, yes. This is the first time I've ever done something like this. And indeed, I suppose this public speaking as well is a new experience for me. Mm -hmm. I would facilitate uh, smaller groups of people. I'd facilitate workshops on bereavement, grief and loss. Mm -hmm. Again, um, through the Irish Hospice Foundation and sh Men's Sheds, the Sheds for Life programme. And I have the privilege of going into Men's Sheds and sitting with a group of men and holding that space, talking to them about bereavement, grief and loss. And I'll tell you, I learn more from them than I give them. It's, they're amazing to go into a men's shed. And you know what it is, there's ladies' sheds now, and we have a couple of them here in Tipperary. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to get to know those, so. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing a program with one of them very, very, very soon, yeah. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. There's something for everybody, as I say, in the audience. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good to hear, so it is. Yeah, really, really good. Because yeah. I think that the men's sheds, um, they do great work, you know, around engaging with men's health. And, um, you know, it's not just about going in and maybe, you know, there's, there's good work that goes on in those sheds. And I think for any man to be involved in something like that, because men maybe mightn't necessarily want to sit and talk about how they're feeling, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to express themselves. They have plenty that they want to say. Most people in their life, of course, they're going to have the loss of a member of the family or their wife or their husband or whatever. Um, and then you have this sudden death. They're all different, different challenges, rather. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of trauma with a sudden death, I would say. Um, do you know the shock of that? It's something that's it's like I was talking about earlier, you know, our assumptions. Um, it totally pulls the rug out from under a person. Um, and depending on the nature of that sudden death, then, and, um, you know, is it a death by suicide? Maybe it could be a, a, some kind of an accident, you know, maybe car accident or a farming accident you know they leave a big scar in a person's life how does a person get over that um i i don't know if you ever get over something like that i think i think it takes years to accommodate that into your life and to find a way to somehow or other learn learn to live with it i think mm -hmm. but i don't think you get over it can be difficult then to come back to church and relate to God, isn't it? Yeah, um, I would have spoken to people in my therapy room who would wonder, you know, where is God and all of this? If he was, if he's so great, why is this happening? But I've also spoken to people who cling on to their faith. Their faith becomes really, really important to them. And, you know, it's like we were saying earlier, you know, that what it, my feelings are my own feelings in grief, whatever I'm feeling. And I think God's able to manage it, you know, for that period of time, that if, if the person is dealing with the intense emotions that, that are there right at that time. How do you tend to deal with um, uh, loss? You're talking to people all the time in your, in your workshops and all the rest, uh, about debt, loss, whatever. Every day, day in, day out, can be very traumatic. Um, do you mean traumatic mm. for for yeah, me yeah. For, for listening? Um, I suppose I, I I work in holding a boundary when I'm in that space with a person, and I must remember that this is their loss, not mine, and I'm there to to listen empathetically and compassionately, 
And I'm also very fortunate that when I work on the bereavement support line um, that's run through the Irish Hospice Foundation, after each session, um, the line is open Monday to Friday from 10 o'clock in the morning until 1 in the afternoon. And once the line closes, we go straight on to a debrief session and um, we, uh, we speak with um, either Catherine, the lovely Catherine Tierney or the lovely Orla Keegan and our admin person and uh, Inez and we get to talk about the people that we've spoken to that day so we never leave the line holding anything and we also get supervision through the Irish Hospice Foundation for working on the line and then privately as well I have my own supervisor for private practice work and she's an amazing resource to have. Absolutely. <coughs> you got a massive uh, round of applause here this morning for your fantastic uh, uh, oration for the most part. Um, people are very, very kind and generous, aren't they? Um, and I suppose it is a topic that deeply impacts all of us, the two of us included, yeah? Um, maybe there are certain parts of that this morning that resonate. You know, different parts will resonate with people. Yeah, so about people, when they go home, the final question to you, and uh, think about this and all the rest, uh, what, what they heard this morning, and said, that girl could do great work for me. Can you be contacted, or do you have to private consultation, or how does that work? Absolutely, I can be contacted um, as a first port of call. I um, think people, if they Google my name, they'll find me online at Martina Cohen. Um, they can get me that way. Actually, that would be a good way to look for me, okay. if that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. We appreciate your hospitality here today, and uh, and indeed to come down to Tipperary and to Holy Cross, uh, the famous Cistercian Abbey that was. Terrific to be here. Uh, thank you very much for your time, and it's really lovely to talk about this topic. Um, it's very dear to my heart. We're going to take another break. We're back with another guest from Holy Cross Abbey just after these. Indeed, you're very welcome back to Down Your Way. We're coming to you this week from Holy Cross Abbey, and I have a man that has contributed more than most in this beautiful part of County Tipperary. 40 years, Sir Kristen. Pat McGrath, you're very welcome to Down Your Way. Thank you, Chair. It really is a pleasure uh, to have you on the programme because in the last couple of days, Pat, you got a, a benefit into medal from the Pope, uh, uh, Pat Santu, and a big celebration here during the Novena last, uh, last Friday. Congratulations on, on that fam- fabulous award. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, how did I want to try to bring you back at 40 years, 40 years, Sacristan, and in part of your life before that, you grew up in Cormistown, uh, just, outside, um, just outside Holy Cross. I grew up in Cormish Town, halfway into Treaty Island, the other end of the parish, Valley Cat, and just two miles out from Tunnels. Okay. Okay. A very famous place, Cormish Town. A famous place, and of course, uh, when you mention Cormish Town, we can't forget the ship, it's just up the road from you. And, uh, I have the ship at my own land. Have you? I have. Because yeah. uh, we have bought the ship, we have a museum there now. But you have Pat's Lottery and all the rest, yeah? yeah. 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 Top less. One of the one of my neighbours became bishop out in Africa. Father John Right. Father John Ryan out in Malawi. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Uh, so Pat we're really here to talk about Pat McGrath. These are the people that you know and grew up with, all the other people that you did. But you grew up all those years ago. You're celebrating your eighty third birthday next year. Of course, yeah. So when you left school Pat and all the rest, uh, you went into the building industry. 
Yeah, I know, well, uh, well, I did uh, actually went in working in, 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 in a pub. Okay. I went from there to Johnson's and told us. Mm. I gave 10 years there. And then I went to Ernst Foods. That's where I got started the building work. Okay. And then I went to Hogan Concrete. And that was... Precast Concrete. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And that, that's where that, uh, We built houses as well. We built houses down in West Cork. And we built them in Ballagary. We built them everywhere. And of course in Holy Cross as well. Yeah. yeah. So okay. I had a fair old shake in life until... Uh, Father McGrath caught up with me. Okay, that's Father Matty McGrath. Yeah. Okay. So he he asked me to do come in as a sacristan, but I had to bide my time mm -hmm. because there was workers in the Abbey at that time, and yeah. I had, I ended up doing things part time. So I said between part time and, and full time, I was about fifty years attached to the Abbey, seven days a week. Um, yeah, of course. And of course, during that time, there was uh, probably great, great moments and probably sad moments as well. Well, well there were sad moments, I suppose, yeah. mm. which I can't remember rightly now, but there was a lot of big celebrations. Like the, the founding in Ireland of the, 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 the Holy Sepulchre, the Ireland of the Holy Sepulchre. Mm -hmm. That was founded here. That took a lot of work. And, uh, it was, uh, you have a lot of dignitaries here and a lot of big weddings, you know. Mm -hmm. And that take up one. You could have four weddings in the one day. Oh my God. You know, which, which thanks be to God, they stopped that because it didn't look well because you had big weddings and little weddings. <laughs> you know, that. that so, so, what's the difference between them? A big wedding and a little wedding? I felt sorry for. A small wedding because they they were couldn't afford anything else, and they had to pass it through all this. Grandeur. Grandeur, yes, correct. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was a good job done away. So we ended up with one day, one wedding a day. Probably four day, four in the in the week, you know. Yeah, you look at you, you have a great story. Tell us about the bur the, the medal that you're wearing, the Benimarenta medal. It's given to it's given by the Pope to service to the church. And I got it from service to the church and the parish. Mm -hmm. Because as you know yourself, I was I was badly involved in the parish. I was involved in the Hurdle Club and I was involved in drama. Well big time. Big time in both organizations, yeah. Drama was big time to me, you know. Mm. Uh, I renovated the old church and made a hall out of it. And now we can we now we have the drama festival there every year. But an immense that now that I'm retired from that too. You give an immense amount of your time to to kind of parish work. I did, yeah. Mm. I did. Too much of it I did. Left that done that at all. But at the same time Pat uh, you know, we achieved a lot and great marvellous recognition from the community for what you have done. Oh, it was, of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. I suppose that was the first time I kissed it here, you know. Mm. But, uh, We're here right in the, in, the, in the north transept, and this is a special part of the church where the, the sacred relics are kept. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That was another incident that happened here, the, the sealing of the relic, mm -hmm. which I 
I was here all day. And so the lads down at Tokens were here all day. But I didn't endorse them. So I was with Ray Carmen, we were doing electrical work. So we had to go over to the parochial house to do a job. And then go up to the hall to do a job. And uh, I went up to the hall and, uh, and I, I said to Ray, What's that chief just doing? Said, that, that the school is gone. They're all gone from the school. Mm. And that chief is still there. So I didn't take any more heat. And I went home and I had the lad put up a cattle crush for me. When my phone went off, to say that the person went in and, to, and, and took the cut the teeth the relic, and there, up there is the, the, the thing that was in. So I went straight over and they were gone. And PJ Fogarty, the last message, was standing in the doorway when they brushed past, past, past him. He to the jeep and offered him and they burned it up the road. How did you get the relics back? Well, I'm not quite sure about how we got it back, but the detective in Turles had a special interest in getting it back, and he got him. Okay. And he came back. Father, Father Breen told me the relic is coming back to see the man after he found be over at the, at the broken house. So I went over to the broken house around three o'clock, and I've seen the gather car come in with the, the, the detective and the, the lady superintendent and another high-ranking guy, I think he was a, uh, I think he was a, I don't know how he was, but he was, he was high up the ranks anyway. So they, they said, I'm just on the road. So I said, I'll open it and show you the piece of timber, which was nine, nine inches long. And the piece got off at the bottom. And they said to me, did, did they take that up? No, I said, that's down in the convent in Cork. That's down in the convent in Cork. So they got it. They, got, they found the relic, and they found the chalice that we have in here, which was used to mass here, okay. the archer chalice. Okay. And when they come from Middleton, the armies come up and quit. They got to know me, and I had to show them the chalice. Lovely. Yeah. I know there's a heck of a long story in Pat McGrath. But we want to congratulate you today <coughs> on a special celebration with the Benimer Intermedal 40 year service here in Holy Cross in the Abbey. It's a record, but very difficult to beat. Thanks very much for being with us. Thank you. So that's my lot for this week. My thanks to all our guests on this week's programme. We'll be back with another edition at the same time next week from the North Transept here at Holy Cross Abbey. Until the next time, on Down Your Way. Bye-bye.